The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. This is 88.9 KUCI in Irvine. I am Katrina Kirkaby, and I am here with Tina Spindler for In the Garden with Master Gardeners. Hi, Tina. Hey, Katrina. How are you? Very good. Happy November. Happy November to you. Can't believe it's November already. Oh, November. And people are wondering, what do we do in our gardens in November? So we have a lot to talk about today because, believe it or not, there is a lot to talk about for November. Yeah, I know. I think most people, uh, including me before I became a master gardener, think that November is kind of a quiet, dead time in the garden. And a lot of us slow down because we have other responsibilities coming up with the holidays quickly approaching. But there are some things that um, we would be advised to do in November if we can find the time. Yeah, November is a very busy time. Tina, what are you doing in your garden in November? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get the exterior of my house ready for the holidays because I get to host Thanksgiving this year. And although, as we said last month, October was a great time to start planting a cool season color flowers that do well in cooler weather, I didn't quite get it all done in October. So I want to finish sprucing up my pots and my flower beds so that they look nice and fresh. So I'm going to continue planting that cool season color, uh, which includes annual plants like pansies and snapdragons and calendula and Iceland poppies. And then the other thing that I didn't finish last month was putting in the spring blooming bulbs like daffodils and freesias, iris, and, uh, you know, uh, any any of those bulbs that you see in the nursery this time of year. So November's not too late to put those bulbs in. And I have to tell you, if you've never planted bulbs, you get so much bang for your buck. It's one of the things that got me started into gardening. Um, planted a bag of bulbs and people thought I was a master gardener right then because the display is is so awesome. Do you plant bulbs in your yard? We do plant bulbs. And you know, I was so intimidated by bulbs, and I think so many people are intimidated by bulbs. How do you plant them? What do you do? Could you tell us a little bit about it? Because it's kind of scary for some of us. It is. It's not something that people are super familiar with, so they, I think, tend to just shy away from it. But honestly, planting bulbs is kind of a foolproof thing, and here's why. You know how bulbs look, right? They're these big, old, fat structures cut kind of look some of them look like onions because they're actually members of the onion family and the reason that they're so easy is when they have that big fat structure they have everything they need to produce their leaves and a beautiful flower so they're not as dependent on you as say planting a snapdragon would be where you have to you know prepare the soil pretty perfectly and you have to feed them regularly to get them to bloom that bulb comes with its own store of nutrients and energy to produce its beautiful flower. So all you have to do is plant it. Now, you do want to prepare your soil just as you would for a flower bed. So that means you want to go ahead and dig that um, you know, flower bed to a depth of 6 to 8 inches or so and put in some fertilizer. Um, but after that, all you need to do is, is 
take a trowel or a little tool called a bulb dipper, which as you know, just looks kind of like um, a really fat steak with a point on the end. And each bag of bulbs will tell you how deep that bulb wants to be planted. But the general rule of thumb is the bigger the bulb, the deeper you plant it. So for instance, daffodils, which are really nice and fat bulbs, will want to get planted four to six inches deep. Whereas, you know, smaller bulbs like freesias will only want to get planted a couple inches deep. But it tells you that on the bag of bulbs that you purchase, or if you purchase them, you know, in those loose containers, there will be a little planting guiding sheet that you can take. Um, but absolutely, they are by far nothing to be afraid of if you prepare your soil a little bit, add a little fertilizer while you're preparing the soil, and plant them at the right depth. With the pointy end up, do, do remember to plant the pointy end up, or in the case of ranunculus, um, those are not a true bulb, but something called a uh, corm, or you want to point those pointy ends down. But um, you can look at that when you have your planting guide for each bulb. It will show you or tell you how to plant each one. So don't be afraid. And the other thing you can do with bulbs, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when I was first planting them and I wasn't sure which end was the right end to plant up, I, I planted them sideways because I, I read that they'll figure out, you know, how which way their leaves should go and which way their roots should go. So if in doubt, if it's not super clear to you, if you're planting like anemone corms and they're kind of you know, they look kind of like a giant shriveled prune and you're not sure which end is up, plant them sideways. <laughs> well, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's a, good, a good tip for beginners. That is, that's wonderful. Tina, you mentioned a couple things and a lot of our listeners are beginners. Yeah, and you mentioned a special tool. If we, had, if we don't have that special tool, can we just go out with a trowel or with a big tablespoon from our kitchen and dig a little hole and put those in there? Absolutely. If you've, if you've prepared your soil, and when I say prepare soil, as you and I know, that means, you know, you take a shovel and you dig down, you know, six or eight inches and you turn it over and you chop the soil up till it's nice and loose. And at that point, all you need, like you said, is a big old spoon or a trowel to just make a little indentation in the soil because the soil at that point is nice and soft. And then I had another question. When I first start planting how much room do I leave? Do I have to leave that whole space open for this plant that's going to come up in months from now? Oh, what a great question. Yeah, I know. I have a funny story to tell you about that. Um, we lived uh, before where we live now, we lived in a community in Irvine that had really strict homeowners association rules. And I had dug up a whole bed and planted hundreds of bulbs in this bed, but it looked like bare dirt. And so, of course, I got a letter from the homeowners association that said, you must plant this, you know, bed with plants. And I was just so offended because I had spent, you know, all this money and time putting all these bulbs in. So I explained to them what I had done and they were fine. But what I did from there on out is I always um, then put an edging in front of, you know, where the bulbs were planted of an annual like pansies or some other uh, plant that would bloom throughout the, the cool season. The other thing that you can do, and I do this often when I plant bulbs in pots, is you can sprinkle seeds of alyssum or Johnny Jump Up or some other easy to germinate low growing annual on the very top of the soil and just, you know, scratch those seeds in and, and water them. And then you have this nice little temporary covering of, say, alyssum 
through which, because they're not a real thick plant, the bulbs have no problem pushing right up through the alyssum. And so then you have something to look at while you're waiting for the bulbs to bloom. Beautiful. So I'll have a beautiful garden Why my bulbs are in there growing underneath and we don't see anything. That and you won't get any nasty letters from your homeowners association. <laughs> now, how long does it take from the time we plant our bulbs? Let's say we do it now in November. When would we start seeing it to see if it really took or... It depends on the bulb. Um, so some bulbs are pretty quick to show their little heads. Uh, freesias usually come up you know, within a few weeks. Um, other bulbs like the, the daffodils, which are a member of the Narcissus family, might take a little bit longer. Um, but don't worry, you, you will eventually see them. They're pretty reliable. And they will start to bloom generally in February in our climate, and they'll go through April. Again, it depends on the type of bulb you plant. Uh, also, within uh, classes of bulbs, like within daffodils, when you're going to buy them, you'll see some that are called late daffodils, and you'll see some that are called early daffodils. And that just means some of them bloom earlier in the season and some bloom late in the season. So if you're going to plant... Um, an area that's fairly large and you have room, you might consider getting both late and early varieties so that you have a long display of flowers. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. Now, do I need to water these? What's, what are, what are our, how do we care for these bulbs that we don't see for a while? Right. Um, what you want to do is you want to water them in well when you first plant them like you do anything. And you don't want to overwater bulbs because remember, they're sitting under the ground and so they're going to be stuck in that environment. And if it's too moist, you could have the danger of having some rot occur. So water them well um, and then don't let the soil get super dry, but you do not need to water as frequently as you would if you had planted new, you know, six packs where you want to water, you know, several times a week until they get really settled in. But for bulbs, not so much. How exciting. And you know, we could also start with just doing some bulbs. You don't have to do your whole yard, but you could pick a pot as area and start small and see what happens. Absolutely. And in fact, bulbs can be a little pricey. So uh, the way I started was I just planted a couple of pots, you know, that I then, when they were blooming, placed right by my front door so everyone could enjoy them. But that way, it was uh, within my budget, and I still got to experience that joy. One thing I will mention, um, probably people have said she hasn't talked about tulips at all when she's talking about bulbs. There's a reason I'm not talking about tulips. You can plant tulips in our climate, but we do not get cold enough winters for tulips to come back reliably. Um, and some of these bulbs will stay in your yard, like the daffodils um, will come back every year. The Dutch iris and the freesias will come back every year. So I personally don't plant tulips because they're a one-shot deal. And also, if they have not been pre-chilled, then you have to stick them in your refrigerator and chill them uh, for a period of four to six weeks before you plant them. So for me personally, in our climate, tulips aren't worth the trouble. I don't know. Do you plant tulips? No, it's exactly the same reason. Yeah. I, I have enough to do, and I try to make it easy, as easy as possible and as pretty as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I personally stick with uh, anything in the Narcissus family. Daffodils are part of the Narcissus family. Uh, the Dutch iris, the um, freesias, those reliably come back year after year. And then I also dabble with ranunculus and anemone because I just love them. And so, so they don't come back as reliably, but, but I enjoy them, so I plant some. 
Well, that sounds like a lot of different fun fun ones to start with, to start planning with. What else are you doing in your garden this time of year? Well, the next thing that should really happen this time of year is you should plant native plants. So we all know about this horrible drought that we're having. And the more that we can convert at least portions of our yard into native plants or drought-tolerant plants at least, even if they're not native to this area, uh, we should attempt to do that. And there are beautiful natives, as you know. Blooming natives doesn't mean you have to give up flowers. Um, so that's the time of year, November, December, January, that you want to plant natives. It's kind of counterintuitive, but in California, our summer is our dormant season. You know, look around at the hills. That's when they just kind of go, they're not green. There's not a lot of active growth going on with the native plants because there's no water. So they, they sleep in the, in the summer, so to speak. Whereas, you know, back east, plants go to sleep in the winter when it's cold. So the active growing season for our native plants is in the winter when they're getting rain. Um, so what we want to do is plant them in November, preferably, because that's right before the winter rains start or right as the winter rains start. And if you plant them in November, they will get the benefit of all, hopefully, of that winter rain we'll get this year. Let's all cross our fingers. <laughs> Indeed, let's just all cross our fingers, hopefully get some rain. In November, we also have, it's very busy time of the year. What, um, I also heard that we we're planting things like bare root strawberries and uh, cane berries. And what are you doing with your fruits and vegetables? Yeah, that's a, a, a little bit of a struggle for me sometimes in November. Again, because, you know, we're getting ready for the holidays. Um, but if you planted your cool season veggie garden in October, uh, that's great. Then you'll be having, you know, lots of lettuce and snap peas that are coming ready to harvest for your holiday meals. So hopefully you did that. If not, it's not too late to continue to plant those cool season crops. And just to refresh everyone's memory, or in case they didn't hear our show in October, uh, the cool season veggies, uh, think of leafy plants, spinach, lettuces, kale, uh, cabbage. Think of root plants uh, like carrots and beets and onions. And then of course the pea plants um, as well as the plants that get kind of flower type heads, broccoli and cauliflower. So those are the kinds of plants that we want to plant in the cool season, which you can continue to do in November. But there's a couple of things that um, are available in November uh, in particular, and that would be the bare root plants of the strawberries. Now we all are probably, if we're driving around and seeing, there's still a few strawberry fields left. You probably noticed that the farmers were planting those strawberry fields in the end of October and on into November. And that's because bare root strawberry plants are available this time of year. Not all nurseries have them, so you might have to do a bit of searching, but you can also order them online. And in California, we want to plant them in November because strawberries prefer cooler weather. They, they quit bearing um, when the weather gets hot. So that's why most strawberries come from our coastal areas in California where the temperature is more even all year round. So for us here, look for bare root strawberries and plant those this month. Um, so what is a bare root strawberry? <laughs> 
You want to tell everyone what a bare root strawberry is, Katrina? <laughs> well, I planted bare root strawberries for the first time last year, and I and I love them. Bare root strawberries are you buy them and they're they're just wrapped up, and all you have is the roots to plant them in. And then when you plant them, they they take off better, and they seem to me to be more vigorous and they grow faster, and they really don't they're inexpensive relatively. And you get a wonderful crop from them. I'm sure you could tell us a little bit more about them, Tina. Do you plant very many of them? I do plant bare root strawberries. I only do it about once every three years because uh, strawberries are a perennial plant. Uh, their production starts to wane after a couple of years, so I do like to rotate um, new plants in. And I also rotate them to a new area uh, once every three years so that if there were any soil-borne diseases that had accumulated over you know, the couple of years they were growing in, in that particular bed, um, I can move them to a new bed you know, for the next three-year cycle and avoid some of those soil-borne diseases. Uh, and then the way that I plant them, of course, as you know, strawberries need great drainage. They, they get uh, what's called crown rot, which means you know, the top of the plant where it attaches to the roots, if it gets you know, soggy, too soggy, if it's planted too deep and there's water hanging around, um, that crown of the plant will start to rot. So, so we don't want to do that. So the way I plant strawberries is I put them either in strawberry pots, which are those cool, tall clay pots that have the holes cut out around their side. And they're called strawberry pots because that's how they were developed. When they're planted in a pot like that, of course, they have awesome drainage because you water the pot and the water you know, comes out the bottom. But the other way that I do it, because I don't get very many in a strawberry pot, is I have raised beds. And so I use one of my raised beds for my strawberries. But I don't know if yours are, are yours in the ground or are yours in a raised bed? Ours is in both. Both? We have them in both. And I'm also thinking about doing, we did a show not too long ago talking about strawberry pots. I'm contemplating doing the strawberry pot because they're beautiful. And it's something simple to take care of. And I know the drainage as well. And I don't have to worry about it. And they're really, really pretty when they're all in bloom. And you can just go out in the morning and pick some strawberries. It's, I, I'm, I think I'm going to try that this year. Yeah, it's absolutely also a favorite of children. So if you have children, consider planting strawberries. They get so excited when they see a bright red strawberry that they can go pick. I remember when my kids were little, they would fight over the strawberries and, you know, watch them every single day to see who would discover the, the ripe strawberry. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, though, for uh, our listeners, uh, because they're close to uh, the Farm and Food Lab demonstration garden out at the Great Park in Irvine is there's a great vertical system for growing strawberries that's in place at that garden. And you get, um, gosh, in a two square foot space, you probably get uh, an area if you were planting it in the ground that would be, you know, four by eight feet. So if you really do want to grow strawberries and you have limited space, Go out and take a look at that vertical planting system for strawberries. It's, it takes a little investment to get the containers, but I think it's uh, one that would be really successful for most people. Tina, if our listeners wanted to go check it out, where would they go again? The Farm and Food Lab Demonstration Garden at the Orange County Great Park in Irvine. It's off the Five Freeway and Sand Canyon, 
And uh, their website is ocgp.com uh, or .org. I forget. But anyway, it's OCGP for Orange County Great Park. And it's a, it's a wonderful demonstration garden uh, all about edibles. So if you are interested in edibles, great place to go out and visit. Is there any particular times that it's open that you can go to? Yeah, I believe it's open uh, between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. But again, if you visit the website, you can verify that. Yeah, that is such a beautiful garden out there. It is something that we should all be so proud of. It is just beautiful. And if you ever want to get inspiration for what you what you could do in your garden and what you could do in a small space for vegetables and growing, it is a wonderful, wonderful place to go for adults, for children, for a family. You could do an outing there and just go and enjoy. It doesn't cost anything. It's free to go in. And it's just a wonderful way to spend some time. Yes, thanks. Uh, I'm so glad that you said that. That's that's a nice pat on the back uh, for Master Gardeners because we have been involved in its creation and its ongoing programming and maintenance for for the five years it's been in existence. So it's it's something we're really we really love and we're really proud of. So so I hope our listeners will go out there and take a look at it. It's a wonderful adventure. It's a wonderful, wonderful. It's one of the great assets I think we have here in Orange County. Thanks. So do we have much time left? Do we have another topic we can talk about? We could talk about, would you like to talk about turf? Yes, turf, my favorite subject. No, just kidding. Um, we, do, we do all enjoy the green of lawns, even though we're, we're trying to coax people into letting go of, of some of their green lawns in favor of some more water-thrifty plantings. But a lot of us have lawns, so, so we do have to deal with them because um, we can't... Uh, immediately transform all of those so yes let's the main thing we should remember now is we're going to get rain hopefully and as we get rain we're going to want to turn off our sprinklers so if we know that we've received rain go out there and turn off your sprinklers because if you get a nice rain you don't need to water your lawn for you know probably a week and at the very least, even if we're not getting rain, the temperatures are a lot cooler, the days are a lot shorter as we move into November, December, and so on. And so we don't need to water as often. So if you didn't turn down your sprinklers in October, do turn down the frequency and the length of watering time in November because your, your lawn just doesn't need as much water anymore. And then if you have a warm season lawn, and if you're not sure what kind you have, you can cut out a little piece and take it to your local nursery, and they can identify it for you and tell you whether it's a warm season or a cool season lawn. And just to refresh everyone's memory, cool season lawns have their active period of growth mostly in cooler weather, while warm season varieties have their active period of growth in warm weather. So if you have warm weather lawns, the weather's not warm anymore, so its growth will be slowing down. And that means that you don't want to feed it. So quit fertilizing your warm season lawns over the winter months. However, if you have a cool season lawn, you can be fertilizing it over these cooler winter months because it will be actively growing. Wonderful. Uh, Tina, what I do is I look at the what I change my sprinklers both in October and November. Ah, good for you. I, I try to I really try to pay attention. I cut out the frequency, I cut out the amount of time. I also look at the forecast. 
I'm trying to be very respectful. We can get easily get 10-day forecast, and if it's if it's going to be cloudy and rainy versus it's going to be bright and sunny, it just takes a minute to go over and adjust the sprinklers and just save a little bit more water that way. Tina, we only have a little bit more time, but I did want to, we missed one thing that I wanted to talk about. Something called spraying for peach, peach leaf curl. Oh, I'm, Do, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I... <laughs> Unfortunately, I often forget to do it, and as a result, come spring and summer, I end up with peach leaf curl. Um, anybody who has peach trees in their gardens has probably seen that kind of blistery um, thing that happens to the leaves and makes them curl in, and it's a, it's a fungus, and it occurs and proliferates during our cooler, wetter weather in the, in the winter. So what we want to do in November is we want to spray for peach leaf curl. And the best thing for you to do is go to a good nursery and ask the nursery for the appropriate fungal spray for peach leaf curl. And then you want to do it again in February and again right when you see those leaf buds on your tree start to swell, which is you know usually probably the end of March or so, right before the tree leaves out. And if you spray the tree three times, then you are going to have hopefully either no peach leaf curl or a lot less of the peach leaf curl. So thanks for reminding me about that because will you, will you come to my house also and remind me to do it at my house? Because I always forget in November. <laughs> you know, it's fun gardening. None of us are perfect. We just try to do our best. Exactly. <laughs> And with that, I think we're at the end of our time. I want to thank everybody for listening to us. Tina, thank you for being here. And thank you for being here with the UC Master Gardeners. Thanks. And let's let everyone remember that you are listening to KUCI in Irvine at 88.9 on your dial. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. If you have any questions about today's show, or if you have any general gardening questions that you'd like a personalized answer for, please feel free to visit our hotline and send us an email at hotline at uccemg.com. You can also visit the Master Gardener website at www.uccemg.com for lots of good information on gardening and also a schedule of events where we'll be speaking.